Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rana McBerto. Well, your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. E2247, Egberto's work today is going to be great. Thank you so kindly. Peggy Lopez, well, a first for me. I am early, cannot stay long, but you're early and you're going to get to see El Señor Greg Palace in a few seconds. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Michael Rudnan, autocorrect is a pain. I know what you mean. I feel your pain. Uh, Michael Rudnan says, go guest today. Damn it. But guess what? We have it on tape, so you can see it. Uh, you can go out with your friends and come back and watch it still. Uh, Michael also said, quick share, I'm away today at Friends. Well, please, please be safe with your friends. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, ATL, checking in. Welcome aboard, my dear brother from uh, Atlanta and all the folks that are coming in right now. We have a sort of a packed program, so I'm going to go ahead and get started right away with El Señor Señor, uh, Greg Palace, and then we'll take it after that. By then, I imagine more of you will be here and giving me some more info, etc., etc., etc. Anyhow, here we go. Greg Palace. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we have a very important program. And I tell you something, when you write stories, when you tell stories, people hear you, when you, uh, they read it. But sometimes you have to see things in real time to understand the evil within certain political processes. Today, we are honored to have El Señor once again, Greg Palace from gregpalace.com, Greg Palace Investigative Journalism. Greg, how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, pretty good, Egberto. It's uh, getting well, through the regime. Let me tell you something, okay? You, you, you have a reputation. You have a reputation of going where places that others don't go. And sometimes that gets you into trouble that people shouldn't really consider trouble because it is what I call, as our friend in Georgia calls, the necessary trouble. Was that what Mr. Lewis said? The, the yes. Congressman Lewis says? Good, good trouble. Yes. Good trouble. Well, that, well, you know, for those who have been following Greg Palast, and, and this I did for the uh, for uh, Brian Ross Investigates and Tom Hartman uh, report, is that, you know, for years I was working for BBC Television and The Guardian. And at BBC, we didn't do what they do in America. In America, if bad guys won't give you an interview, say, oh, they gave us no comment. We don't allow no comment. We go hunt them down and find them. And sometimes it's dangerous. In fact, in the film you're going to see with me, um, what you won't see in the short film, we're going to have more coming out later, is that before the interview began, uh, this woman was showing me all her stacked ammo. She had a loaded shotgun next to her door. This is a Georgia GOP official. She, by the way, it won't be mentioned in the film, but she is running for vice chair of the Georgia Republican Party, will probably win. She is the candidate of Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, the, the uh, fruitcake with the Jewish space lasers. Um, and But this is an important GOP official, not minor stuff. And you're going to see what the lengths that they will go to to eliminate voters of color from the voter rolls. I've been hunting this story down for 20 years. Greg, let's pause. Um, I want I want our audience to see the video. First of all, check this out. We're about to meet with a GOP official who says that she has personal knowledge that 32,000 people are voting illegally in this county. So my name is Pamela Reardon. I am currently 6th District Committee Woman to the State Party. I know for sure voters do not live here.
This year, Georgia's GOP-controlled legislature passed a new law saying you can challenge an unlimited number of voters. Do you know this woman? That, do, you, do you recognize that woman? Um, not offhand. I don't. Okay. You never spoke to her? No, no. What, what about this guy and his wife on his honeymoon? Do you recognize that man? Mm, no. So you didn't call him, but you challenged his right to vote or have his ballot challenged. Sir, get out of my house. Okay, I will get, get out, out of your house. house. The challenge statute doesn't, didn't ever contemplate someone coming to town and challenging hundreds of thousands of voters at one time. Um, this, in our view, was an abuse of that statute. That doesn't mean that you get to print out reams and reams of Excel spreadsheets and just, you know, levy a charge against thousands of people that you don't even know and get them, you know, removed off the rolls. Imagine using the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. You know, it, all, it gets real when you get arrested. It's real, real. Have you heard of the Ku Klux Klan law of 1871? I'm from Canada. So you don't know the Ku Klux Klan law? I'm from Canada. Clearly you don't know Georgia law. I, He's a legal voter. I got voter. my right to vote in 94. So I don't like people voting illegally. Get out of my house now. I shall get out of your house Before now. Before I throw you and, and you are sure that this is your legal voting address? You are now. Georgia, divided down the middle. And this civil war ain't over. This is Greg Pallas in Georgia reporting. Right? Uh, Greg, how did you actually get into this woman's house i mean it seems like that was a hell of a feat well uh, it's very simple we you know we set all set all kinds of uh, systems of getting and often jumping people by the way we always try to go through the front door that is we always ask people for interviews i don't just you know you'll see me jumping out of bushes out of cars i mean i do everything but jump out of an airplane uh you know i'll travel to africa to hunt down bad guys and i do but um the in this case we uh asked simply asked for an interview uh from our team uh i didn't they didn't mention that greg Powell would be the reporter but that's not the the issue they said there would be a reporter coming to talk to you because she is running for office for vice chair of the republican party so we got in but once we start and she was really happy you know she here she is on national tv she's gonna you know show her stuff and then I start asking her those uncomfortable questions. As you see, I showed her the photo of a woman, Tamara Horn, who, whose vote she challenged. When I showed her the photo, she said, I've never seen this woman. I don't know who she is. You know, like, like I'm going to accuse her or something. Yeah, I was. You try to block. You, in fact, you're blocking this woman from voting. Her challenge will prevent this woman from voting. Now, Tamara Horn, just so you know, Egberto, uh, told us that she had... Um, lost her job and therefore had to sell her home and move down the street to move in with her relatives. She's still a legal voter in Cobb County. That's a suburb of Atlanta. Uh, but she won't have her vote counted unless she gets a notice and goes through a whole hearing that she is who she is. And understand this woman has personally, as you saw in the red dress, personally challenged 32,000 voters 32,000. On what basis, I mean, this is what, this is what behooved me after I saw the video. Uh, on what basis is she challenging as, she's challenging them as a Georgia citizen. Is that correct? Yeah. So here's the gimmick. Um, Georgia's always had this Jim Crow law that says you can challenge anyone. That was used by, that any voter can challenge another voter. That was used by, you know, Farmer Joe to say, don't let, you know, black Farmer Joe vote. Uh, and that would stop their vote. 
But now, instead of using white sheets and clan tactics, they use spreadsheets. This woman got a spreadsheet from a group in Texas called True the Vote. And she, that said, oh, these people don't live in the county where they're registered to vote, where they're voting. They're mailing in ballots from China or wherever. There's no basis for this. And she didn't check at all, did zero checking, didn't send a note, didn't make a phone call. We did, just so you know, the Palace Investigative Fund, my team, thank you, Terry Mann, Pearl called 800 people, 800. And they're all saying, well, I live here. I've been living here. Maybe they've moved down, you know, in the neighborhood. That doesn't change your vote in Georgia or almost anywhere else. But they'll have their vote challenged. And the truth is, is that when you're picking out people this way, especially people who got were shoveled around uh, due to COVID, uh, you're going to pick up a lot of low-income people, a lot of students who move dorm rooms, for example. Um, and you're going to pick up a lot of uh, voters of color. And the color's blue, of course. So 32,000. And it's, but she got this list from this group, True the Vote in Texas. Very dangerous. We've been tracking them for... Uh, about five years. Uh, Zach D. Roberts um, uh, is our specialist in tracking the right-wing groups. And True the Vote, by the way, and here's where it's dangerous. They're not just nobodies out of Texas. They are, they are backed by the Bradley family of Milwaukee. Those are the new Cokes. This, is, this family has put $2 billion, Egberto, into right-wing groups and causes, and particularly aiming at figuring out ways to remove black people from the voter rolls. That's just as blunt as it gets. That's what they're doing with their money. And I'm afraid that what you just saw in Cobb County and in Georgia that I've just exposed, what if this takes off, if they get away with this, they're going to take it to Texas, to Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, and several other states that have these so-called citizen challenges, which again used to be, they're always ugly, you know, don't let that guy vote. But when you're sending in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, remember the Republican Party's operatives, mostly Republican operatives, all working for True the Vote, are challenging 364,000 voters, a third of a million voters in Georgia, a third of a million. And I got to tell you, the ACLU, NAACP, they were just stunned that this was going on. And um, so I'm very, very concerned. Their, their basis, they did no checking. They simply took a list from this group, True the Vote. It is dangerous stuff. And remember, this is not the government removing people. But one thing that was not in the film is that the secretary, the, the Republican secretary of state of Georgia actually encouraged this group, True the Vote, and these GOP operatives to mount these challenges. And you know what he said? You, this, this should make you sick if you're an American. He said the federal law prohibits me from removing voters, but these people can. So it's a way to work, what he thinks is a way to work around, around the, the, federal the federal law, law. that says you right. can't pull this stunt. Right, well look, let, let, let me go a little bit further here. Um, this is deep. And by the way, you said uh, you think something like this can spread. There's no doubt it's spreading. Let me give an example. In Arizona right now where they're doing the, that count, that recount in, in Maricopa County, uh -huh. these guys have 800 people that are knocking on doors. They, I, well, I don't know if it's 800. They knocked on 3,000 voter doors to verify whether they really voted. That is actually voter intimidation according to federal law. 
they're executing it and we don't have our new secret uh, our new secret uh what is it uh, uh attorney general um what's his name you know who Mayor garland garland well, we don't see him being aggressive and telling these folks simply you cannot do this people need to be thrown in jail so that they are made examples of before this stuff metastasizes that is a thing of civil wars because again if too many people think it is okay before it is nipped in the butt it's too many to stop then so i mean i'm glad that you did this report that you did now right. one would think by the way i should say that merrick garland just issued a statement saying that he's going to begin prosecuting those who violate voting laws and I got to tell you that, as you heard from um, Gerald Griggs, uh, who represents the NAACP, he's also been, by the way, the lawyer for the Palace Investigative Fund. And he said, look, he, when we showed him what they were doing, he said, this violates the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. After the Civil War, the American Congress passed a law that said that the night Riders and those who intimidate voters right. go to jail. Exactly. This is simply a, a, a digitized version of the night Riders. Like I say, instead of white sheets, it's spreadsheets, exactly. but it's still the same crime. Uh, Attorney General Garland, please take note, pull out your handcuffs, read them their rights and put an end to it. Exactly. That is what needs to be done. That's what needs to be done. Now, now um, last question here. Uh, well, second to last question, you know what my last question always is, but anyhow, uh, second to last question here. Um, this is something that I would have expect the mainstream media all of them just take that simple video that you have here and i know you have more to it later yeah. on uh and take that and let america see the kinds of things that are happening why is it that we don't see that tell me tell me your story we, we never do look back in 2000 when i 20 years ago i broke the first major story of how the vote was stolen in florida by Je, by jeb bush for his brother to get George Bush elected over Al Gore by 500 votes, but I discovered that they removed 58,000 black men from the voter rolls saying that they were felons. Not a single one was guilty of anything but voting while black. Now, that was a huge story. It got in the New York Times, but only in the column of a black columnist, Bob Herbert. The Times didn't cover it. No one would cover it. I got it in Salon. I got it in Rolling Stone, uh, you know, those places. And it was put out all over the world by BBC television that I did the report for them and the front page of the Guardian newspapers where I was an investigative reporter. I was actually living in London. So the rest of the world gets this news. We don't. Four years later, the New York Times talked about the infamous felon purge in Florida. Well, they didn't. What do you, how could it be infamous? You'd never reported it in the first place. So after a while, it becomes truth. My reports do get in the mainstream press. Just give it two three four years but it will be out in the bbc and elsewhere it, it, it is sad because i think there is some sort of a collusion between the plutocracy here and the system there is a particular modus operandi in the way things work out here in other words we don't rock the boat too much on the left we don't rock the boat too much on the right we try not to make it uh, you know um, we many people don't like the kind of journalism that actually finds truth in other words a criminal is not going to tell you they're a criminal or you, you're not going to interview <laughs> a criminal and they say yes i did wrong you're going to have to get into their space however you can get into your space and guess what that is not what journalism teaches in our schools right we are we we teach being polite we don't teach journalism exactly we, so we have today in america we have too many repeaters not reporters they go to press conferences in fact one uh, major 
so-called progressive outlet told me, oh, it's great. One is extraordinary report, but the host didn't want it because they said, well, it's just too gonzo. It's too, why couldn't you get this in a press conference? Believe it or not, people who steal votes by the tens of thousands don't hold press conferences. That is a they don't announce it. statement. That's a six day break. Greg, I got to go. Tell me, okay. what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Okay, well, the only thing I would say is what's next? So we have to expose this thing now. Go to gregpalace.com, watch the continuing reports, because what you saw, that that woman challenging 32,000 people, even in that county, the chairman of the Republican Party added another 16,000 names. This could flip. The question is, how will this affect the elections? Big time. Reverend Senator Warnock is running for re-election next year. If 300,000 voters of color and young people are flushed out, he's doomed. Stacey Abrams may run for governor of Georgia next year. That's expected. Uh, she lost by only 50,000 stolen votes. We've reported that. And um, I got to tell you that, you know, if you take out 300,000 voters, you know, it's not that I should, I'm for Warnock or, or Abrams. My point is why don't you let the people make the decision, the voters choose, not the tricks, not the Jim Crow games. Greg Palast, please visit gregpalast.com. G-R-E-G-P-A-L-A-S-T.com. That is true investigative journalism. Some folks don't really like to do things in certain ways. Look, I when I saw that video, my brother, I had to contact you and say, we got to get this to hell out for people to see because this is what's killing our democracy. It's been my pleasure to have you once again on Politics Done Right. Thank you, Egberto. This is an extraordinary platform, and I appreciate the work you've been doing. We spend a Well, folks, I hope you like that. I have another interview, but beforehand, let me salute a few people. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Wendy Green, democracy is in the process of being murdered as we speak. No, uh, but you know what we are in the process of doing, my dear Wendy Green? We're in the process of, of putting out these messages so that we can take control and ensure that these charlatanes, these charlatans are not able to be successful. They will not be successful because we are all Democrats, little d Democrats. We all believe in democracy. We all want to ensure that these charlatanes are not able to get away with what they're doing. But here's the problem. A lot of this stuff occurs undercover. And what guys like Greg Palace does is he goes out there uh, and makes sure that, um, that it is exposed. And see how he caught that woman in, uh, in, in Georgia. And she's, she's running. He caught her. And several others, he will continue to catch them. And then we'll continue to extricate, extricate that S-O space B. Welcome aboard. Uh, Paul Fleming, I think I saluted you already. Anybody that I met? Uh, Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Eric, here we are talking about people destroying our democracy. And you're going to ask a question about uh, the vice president at the border. I don't even think she should have gone. There's no, uh, I don't even think the vice president should have gone to the, to the border. I don't even think she should have gone to the border. Uh, that was cave into political pressure. I mean, it's ridiculous to believe that the vice president or the president going to the border is going to change anything or has any impact. You know, I think they belittle themselves just like uh, our Greg Abbott has belittled themselves in going to the border and all that kind of crap. I think it is crap. 
let's have policy and start stop working about all these crazy things. Yes, uh, E2247, Bird Dog and Politician is a old tried and true organizing tactic. We've done that a lot with um, with Move to Amend and other organizations I've worked for. Bri, uh, Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Uh, when this is Egberto, I hope you're right. Just exposing the damage is far from enough. It's just hand-wringing. Okay, here's what we do, uh, my dear friend Wendy. We expose the damage so that people otherwise, our activists know that it's there. The next person that I'm putting on is an activist. When he gets this information, he acts on this information. So that's what it, it takes all of us. It takes us getting the people who are investigating, giving them a platform to put it out there, and then the activists take over. Let me, let me tell you how political activism works, okay? We have the activist journalists. You have uh, like uh, Greg Palas, myself, etc. We go out there and we find, we try to find that stuff that's not always quite available in the mainstream media for people to get crazy or mad about. Then we take our platforms and try to put it as wide as possible. And there are two people that are watching that platform. There are the activists that are watching the platform and the average American citizens, some of them that are watching. The activists are out there taking this info and bringing it to the people. The, and a few people that are not necessarily activists, but they, they, they get a good feeling that something is actually getting done. And that is what we do. And by the way, since I just mentioned about us, uh, before, I, before I run away to the next video, I want to ask all of you on YouTube to please go ahead and click the join button. Become a part of our posse that allows all this information to get out there. Help us, uh, help fund us to put all this stuff out there. It's not, you know, it, we just have to get it done. That's all I do 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, click that join button if you can. Alternatively, if you're on uh, Facebook, Twitch, or any other platform, go to politicsunright.com slash YouTube, politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Consider getting our cups or mugs designed by Bridge MCP, one of the leaders in our uh, PDR posse. You can get our cup at this link right here. Uh, as we, we, we have several ways that you can support us. Either go and click the join button on YouTube or purchase a few things at our rack on YouTube. If you take a look, we have T-shirts and face masks, all that good stuff with politics done right on it. You can give us a super chat by hitting that dollar sign on YouTube. You can also go ahead and support us on another platform called Patreon. It's for people who do the kind of work that we're doing here. That is at politicsunright.com slash patron. Politicsunright.com slash patron. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Alternatively, you can also support us at PayPal. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. You can get all our books at politicsunright.com slash books and which are our books um look the trio is really good to get all three books if you can but you know uh, the one that just got finished was um uh how to make america utopia uh taking away the economy from those who rigged it uh this one it's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relatives friends and neighbors it kind of tells you that we need more than uh just just progressives we need everybody we got to bring everybody into the fold so you have to know how to talk to them we kind of talk about that and as i see it class warfare the only resort to right-wing doom what that was my first book and the reason i wrote that one was during the the obamacare debate and all these other kind of things that we had it was like how these people really control the narrative 
and had all of us, so many of us, including many progressives, voting against our own interests. So it was about th- these, these three books give a whole step-by-step process. One is explains how, uh, you know, that it's a class warfare and, and, and a lot much. It's, it, it's a pretty readable book, uh, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Friends and Neighbors and How to Make America Utopia. Now, uh, you can, if you want a, a signed book, however, you can buy it directly from us, politicsandright.com slash store, along with all the T-shirts, etc. And if you get the book directly from us as opposed to just by, by uh, Amazon, get it by Amazon if you find that easier to purchase there. But we'll send, and, and send you a bumper sticker. Even if you don't get it from us, if you just write us a letter and uh, a note and say, hey, this is my address, send me a bumper sticker, of course I'll send you a bumper sticker. Thank you so kindly for getting our one or more of our books. Anyhow, we're going to go on to our next uh, interview. Check it out. Welcome to one more edition of Politics on Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Neil Aquino. Neil Aquino is a one of what I call a premier activist here in Houston, Texas. Actually, he covers not only Texas, but the entire country, including visiting Cincinnati and doing a few things every so often. Anyhow, Neil, welcome to Politics on Right. Very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, Egberto. Absolutely. So, Neil, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is on July 8th, the Texas legislature goes back into action. We had some Democrats that did the right thing. They walked out during the uh, attempt of our legislature to really create some suppressive voter suppressive laws. Uh, First of all, what are your thoughts as far as what has occurred thus far? Then we'll go into what we need to do going forward. Well, at at core, we've got We've got a majority in the Texas legislature that doesn't want to live in a multiracial democracy. Um, I think we should just cut through it. And um, they are willing to do whatever they need to do to to make sure that we don't live in a successful multiracial democracy. And um, I, I know the argument is always demographics will come and switch. I've been hearing that for the, you know, the part of oh, the state over to Democratic. I've been hearing that for the 22 years I've lived here. So I don't I don't take it as an automatic, but they're obviously afraid of of something, and they're they're fueled by this lie that the election was stole for Trump, and they're authoritarian, they're autocratic, they're bigoted, and they're not, not afraid to, to to tell you at this point. What one of the things I love about what you do, um, you over for over a year now, you have been uh, protesting in front of I think Cornyn's uh, Senator Cornyn's office for the for how many how many months now? Uh, four years. Two um, next week, next Tuesday, eleven thirty to one fifty three hundred Memorial Drive will be week two hundred and twenty nine. Oh, over four years. Over four years. Yeah. That that is what Nisser and and it has always been peaceful, and you've always gotten the crowd. That is what's so amazing. Tell me a little bit about, more about that. Well, I'm 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 maybe it's it's a leaderless group. Um, basically, it's a very autonomous group. Uh, we're not affiliated with any party with any. Um, candidate. Uh, there's no, no money that comes into it. So it's a group of people. Um, we generally have 15 to 20 a week. We'd love to have more, but we're pretty proud of getting 15 to 20 a week through, uh, through the floods, the heat, cold, you name it. Um, and we're at Senator Cornyn's office on Memorial Drive with our own signs, our own flags. Initially, it started, you know, like a lot of those move on protests on Tuesdays after Trump won. In fact, there's still one going on in um, North Carolina, I believe, at Senator Tillis's office. And 
it has become still about Senator Cornyn, but it has become very much um, a thing about civil liberties, the right to assemble, making clear to our friends, to our foes, to police that we will we will show up on our own, um, no matter what. And I, I think I think it's very important to show up. We are very focused on showing up because what uh, elections matter. There is a moral difference between the two parties. But on the other hand, the system will accept the outcomes the system produces. Police will defend those outcomes. And we need to, whatever we've been doing, th thank you to everyone who's doing the work. Um, but here we are on the precipice of a point where we can't even guarantee free elections anymore, right? Even, even that conventional deal, okay, we'll accept the political system, it'll rip us off. But at least there can be some progress and we can have a free election. But now that's not even guaranteed. And on top of that, the weather is crazy. So I think, uh, I think folks ought to show up for themselves uh, along with voting. And that's our point. Excellent. Well, um, as it turns out, I just had uh, Greg Palast on a few minutes ago and he was discussing, uh, he actually got on camera how voter suppression is actually being affected by uh, Republican operatives and how uh, they're, they're doing it. And it is something that is gonna be coming down here as Texas's legislature meets on July 8th. What do you expect out of that? Oh boy, a whole, a whole lot of cruelty. Um, there'll be the voter suppression. And let's be sure when we're talking about voter suppression, we're talking about voter suppression but we're also talking about state legislatures with the intent of overturning elections. I mean, that's what Trump would have done. I think you done. need to explain that because a lot of people don't understand. It's not about stopping people from voting. Also, they, they've actually, they're considering instituting a law that gives them the option to overturn an election. If just somebody says, oh, there is some fraud proven or not. Talking about not just voter suppression, but the ability to overturn elections. So we're seeing the, Ridiculous audit in Arizona. Uh, the uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia, who did the right thing um, after 2020, but he's talking about taking over the Fulton County, which is Atlanta um, um, election board. Um, we're seeing uh, state legislators in in some of these voter suppression laws. It's easier to overturn elections. In addition to the suppression, in the Texas bill. That legislation was in there. Um, that was part of it. Judges can overturn elections with lower standards of evidence than before. They're saying, oh, oh, we don't know how that got in there. But it's, you know, these things are cookie cutter written, sent to Republican legislatures. And we should remember that these, these state legislatures have tremendous power. Um, so you see they're negating all of our city laws um, across the, in Galveston, they can't even have a plastic bag ban choking the turtles um i mean it's incredible and so they, these they, they only want they only want local rule when it helps the oligarchy the plutocracy the oil companies i mean denton texas i think i think was the name of the the the, the town uh it's a republican town that they decided they didn't want drilling x amount of distances from homes because yeah. of the pollution that it causes and immediately, Greg Abbott decided that law can't be, so they overturned local law and superseded it with state law. So, you know, we know that it's even 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 those uh, mom and pop Republicans that think they're Republicans, they need to understand that.
their party is not really for them. Their party represents solely the oligarchy, and they are just the the uh, the cogs in the wheel to get the job done. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I wanna I wanna keep hope alive, like like uh, Jesse Jackson always said um, and still says. Um, a lot of these Republicans, I, I want to believe there's rank and file out there who who can see the light. We'll keep hope alive for that. Um, the you know these state legislatures have tremendous power, and it seems to me that the base of the party is in many respects respects what's moving them to the right. I think there's millions of folks who never knew they could be so freely bigoted and cruel, and that it would hold currency in public policy. Um, and I, I think you're seeing a move towards towards not just voter suppression, but but overturning elections. And what's interesting, for example, when Beto O'Rourke was here, so I, I think that there has to be, you know, elected officials and establishment figures and then non-establishment and rank and file. Um, so Beto O'Rourke was here for a Sunday rally in a park a couple of weeks ago, and he spent five minutes talking about the rise of Hitler. So here's Beto O'Rourke, this establishment figure. He's talking about the rise of Hitler. My step, state rep, Ann Johnson, who's a, who's a good person, um, always from the moderate ring, wing of the party. I'm happy to support her. Um, she's using words like democracy itself. John Rosenthal, another moderate state rep, saying as soon as they overturn an election, that's, that's our constitutional form of government. So our elected officials, they're saying it. And, and I think people are hearing it. And, and so the question is, but sometimes our elected officials want to contain our response. So please, you know, to me, if the issue is democracy, and it is, then shouldn't 50,000 people be at the Capitol every day of the special session? If, if Mayor Turner, a moderate political figure, the mayor of Houston, says Jim Crow 2.0, I, I agree. If it's Jim Crow 2.0, the response to Jim Crow is massive marches. It's civil disobedience. Um, the term "good trouble" was a term of which you, which has been adapted adopted by our Democratic establishment from the hero uh, John Lewis. Lewis. Um, Representative Wright, the civil rights figure, that was civil disobedience. Um, and so, at the moment, there's a bit of a disconnect, and it's probably. You know, these things require high commitment and you don't want to sit home with your family and think, boy, I'm just in a struggle for the rest of my life for democracy and, and Jim Crow. Now, there's large segments of the population would say, welcome to my world. Um, but here we are. And I think I think the Democratic rank and file um, and, and important from from the most centrist aspects to the, of the party all the way to the socialist left and beyond, there seems to be a general agreement that democracy is at risk. Hillary says it, Bernie says it, Obama, Mrs. Obama, Biden, Warnock, AOC, they're all saying it. So isn't the extrapolation if democracy is at risk that A, what we've been doing didn't work in not getting us here, and B, we ought to be trying something else, and C, that may well involve disruption in our own lives or changes to our own routine and an acceptance of a level of, of conflict. I don't use that word to say violence, although the other side is doing violence. Um, 
I think we need to think it out. And that, that process of thinking it out is, is, a, is a difficult one. That's why I wanted a rank and file activist on the show today discussing this particular issue, because I think you make it, I, I think what you're, what, in effect, what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the Democratic Party is saying that democracy is at risk. But you, you are not seeing the urgency from those on top to mobilize, to rise up to what this actually means, as we did, let's say, during the civil rights era and other eras where we did mobilize people in mass. Hell, we even mobilized people in mass with the uh, Black Lives Matter and, uh, and, and the um, George Floyd issue. We actually got right. folks out there in the streets and we got results. We had corporations acquiescing to BLM. Who would have thought? Right. So in, 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 I don't like, so in fairness to the elected, because there's no, um, we need to get past a Sanders Clinton kind of establishment, anti-establishment, um, especially when Sanders and Clinton agree on this point. Right. Uh, and, and we don't need to be fighting amongst ourselves. So um, taking the words of the democratic establishment itself, democracies at peril and what then is the next step? And I don't know how you can, um, with, without being personally critical to anyone, if you spent your life advocating for this system and this system can't maintain free elections and it messed up the weather, our political and economic systems, that would seem to me to be a cause for reevaluation. Um, and I'm not going to tell you I have that answer, but I would say one one aspect of that answer is that we as rank and file folks from the from the Clinton centrist to the socialist. Um, it seems to me that the, the the Republican Party is not making distinctions. And so we elected um, we've been told over our political lives, vote for Bill Clinton. He can win. And he did vote for Joe Biden. He can win. And he did. The, the Democratic Party hasn't nominated an ideological outlier for president since George McGovern. The party establishment wins 98% of party primaries. Okay, that, that's, that's not a complaint. But we've done this, and still the Republican Party thinks we're all, whatever it all is, terrible things. They're making up crazy stories. And that the FBI is saying right-wing terrorism is, is the highest domestic threat. And we don't even seem to be able to guarantee a free election. So it isn't working. In other words, Whatever. you're saying we do need a paradigm shift. I'm running out of time right now. Neil, right. why don't I, that my last question is always the same. Tell me something that you want to say that I didn't ask about. Well, I, I think you covered the, I, I think we need to engage in a ongoing philosophical, philosophy has to be matched towards action. Um, but we need to be engaged in a, in a kind of philosophical dis discussion is what is our next act matched with action that meets the pressures of the democracy crisis and the connected climate crisis. And I would say that we have to understand that there's no bottom line for the other folks and that the other side, and that believing that 
doesn't make us radical. What, what's so interesting is that we're reduced to the point, I'm 53 years old, and here I am reduced to the point almost of, hey man, just let me have a damn free election, let alone all the other, let there not be another crazy ass hurricane. You know, let's address that. So we've been reduced to these most elemental pleas almost for survival. And I think we should, we should really be evaluating and we need to be tougher on our own elected officials. They're sitting on a lot of campaign cash, a lot of organizational capacity. And we, at, when they come to the Democratic Club, the organization, we interview them, we meet them as voters at the church, at the school. We need to say directly, what are you doing for democracy? Will you show up? If I march on the street, will a ton of cops come at me like we saw in many democratic cities with the Floyd marches? You, the, the federal government says, my last sentence, the federal government says, we can't fix it, even though Democrats run everything. The democratic uh, state legislatures now tell us, hey, these Republicans are really a threat to democracy. That's what the Texas Democrat elected uh, legislatures are telling us. Then at the municipal level, we go out and protest and there's a ton of cops. It, it, it just all isn't working. And I think that, that, that our freedom has to come from us. The work of our freedom is up to each of us and the moment seems forced upon us. Uh, Greg, <laughs> Neil Aquino, it has been my pleasure to have you on Politics Then Right. Houston, Texas, national political activist, and somebody getting something done. Thank you so kindly for being on Politics and Right. Stay the course, Egberto. Thank you for having me. Love this guy. This is one of the most active activists uh, in, 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 in the Houston area. And like I said, it's national because he does things elsewhere as well. It was great having him here with us. Um, look, folks, let me, let me, let me, let me just say, uh, we bring out all these things, and a lot of people do one of two things. They get mad or they get depressed. I say get mad, don't get depressed, but get into action. Um, a lot of people think that they don't have any answers. A lot of people think that they just throw their hands up in the air and think they don't have a choice. Let me first tell you before I move on to the uh, video that I want to play today. Everybody has an option. They're, they're, we can participate in so many different ways. We still have, we still have a democracy. Legally, they make it that much harder to register to vote. So right now, the most important thing for us to do is to make sure whatever part of the country that you are on, I want you to listen to me here keenly. Whatever state, whatever city, whatever town, make sure you do whatever you need to do to register yourself to vote. But that's not enough. When After you've registered to vote, about six weeks before you vote, make sure most states have or counties have an online where you can verify that you are registered to vote. Make sure, again, that you're registered to vote in six weeks. And five weeks before the election, make sure you're registered to vote again. And uh, four weeks and two days before the election, make sure you're registered to vote. I mean, it only takes you five minutes. You're on the internet all the time. Do that. But still, that's not enough. You have to tell your friends, all of them, and tell all of your friends to tell their friends that they must register to vote legally. Now, when I say legally, I'm not saying that from a legalist. I mean, 
for whatever that state has ch changed their laws. A lot of these states are doing some nasty things. Follow the law, however they rewrite it, and register to vote. Again, register to vote. Notice that's all I'm concentrating on right this very minute. Make sure everybody you know that is going to vote appropriately, make sure they are registered to vote. Okay? Now, secondly, secondly, after we do that, uh, that means that we can get to the polls. Uh, when we get to the polls, we need to follow the rules again and, and make sure we vote. But here's a kicker. Know the law. Know where you vote. Know what times you can vote, uh, etc. And once we do that, you can know that the activists are going to be coming through. Because, look, if people are registered to vote, we can find them, pull them, and get them in to vote. But if they are not registered to vote, it's all over. And what they are hoping to do right now is to make sure to make such confusion that you're not registered to vote. Anyway, let me play a little piece here by uh, Glenn Saki, Jen Saki, and then we'll take it on the other side. Will Steve Ducey from Fox News ever learn? He did it again today. And while this is only a little piece of what Jen Psaki had to say to him, once again, she really taught him a lesson as far as asking questions. You never ask a question for which you don't know what the answer is going to be because if it's something that is contentious, your side just may come out looking bad because the truth is told. I want you to listen to how she handled this issue of crime, guns, and also defund the police. It was a work of art. Check this out. One about the crime today. I, you mentioned expanding... The crime uh, prevention uh, rollout. prevention, yes. <laughs> crime. Um, but there is a lot of crime in big cities. Uh, how do you reduce much of it caused by gun violence? Would you agree? Yes. So, how do you ex uh, how do you reduce gun violence by expanding employment opportunities, including summer jobs for young people? Well, first, there's several components of this proposal. One of them is an initial set of actions on gun violence, uh, or an additional set, I should say, of steps on gun violence, which the president feels are important to get guns off the streets, make sure they are not in the hands of people illegally, uh, many of whom are uh, playing a role in violent crime across the country. That's part of his objective. He also wants to provide, uh, as we've seen, has been effective in communities across the country, incentives and alternatives for young people and communities uh, where that has shown to be an effective step. So is the thought there basically that somebody, some criminal who has been committing crimes with limited interruption or interference from police for the last couple of weeks or months is going to stop this easy life of crime if they have a summer job? Well, I think the president believes that we shouldn't and we shouldn't allow access to guns to those criminals who are currently illegally buying them from some dealers across the country. And part of his announcement is taking steps to do exactly that. But part of his announcement is also ensuring there's specific guidance to uh, communities across the country to ensure that they have funding to get more community police around the country. Something that was supported by the American Jobs Plan uh, that was support that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. So some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. I'll let others say that, but that's a piece. Go ahead. 
Jen Psaki did it again. It's very important that you understand narratives. And throughout the entire interview, or rather, throughout the entire press conference today, she really showed her colors in the way she was not confrontational with the reporters, but not allowed their leading questions to really deflate the narrative, to change the narrative from what it really is. Very good job. Okay, I, I hope you like that. Again, folks, don't forget, register to vote and check every six weeks, or rather check at the six-week point that you're registered. If you're not, then go re-register and then check at the two days before the four-week point. Register again. Anyhow, let's go ahead and play the last video of the day. It's an unfortunate, unfortunate truth from Chris Matthews. Check it out. Oops, I need to get that there, get that there. Unfortunate Truth by Chris Matthews. You worked up there and I worked up there. I worked on both sides, on the political side and the journalist side. And I have to tell you, I felt violated. I felt the building was a, a, a cathedral of democracy. I, I keep reminding myself that's where Lincoln gave his second inaugural about the Civil War and how it was penance, uh, basically, for, uh, for slavery and what was done by this whip was going to be paid for by the sword and blood. And he tried to explain to the American people the horror of slavery and this thing we inherited, this horror. And, and it's also where they passed the Civil Rights Bill in 1964. Uh, mostly Republicans, as you know, uh, did the voting. And with the South, the segregated Democratic Party had 22 segregationists in it uh, right to the end. Uh, that was the old segregated the deal the Democrats had struck. The Democratic Party had a deal with segregationists. We've come so far from that. But yet I think there are a lot of people in this country, white people, I'll be blunt about it, who would rather have this country ruled by whites than ruled democratically. I mean, if they really ask them after sodium pentothal or truth serum or just put them under oath and say, would you rather have a country run where whites, where whites win all the elections or most of them? Or would you like to have a, would you like to have a truly democratic country where people, regardless of their ethnic background, would be allowed to vote? And I'm, I'm afraid of the answer. Because I see what happened in Pennsylvania, which you know, the, delegate, the, uh, the assembly up there, the top political Republicans, openly saying that they changed the law up there in terms of a voter ID yeah. to make sure Republicans won elections. They just openly admitted it. This is Frank Rizzo stuff. This goes back to where you run on tribal lines. You run for the white vote. You gave up the black vote and you hoped you could win. And uh, unfortunately, that kind of politics, tribal politics, is still very much in evidence among these efforts by state legislatures to, uh, to basically overrule democracy. Overrule democracy. But you know what? All you good people right here, right here, we are the change. We're the, and you know, I, I want to say one other thing because a lot of people get scared. A lot of people not only get scared, they also get mad at those people that are, that are trying to overrule democracy. And there's something that I, I, I try to, if, if you don't, if you, if you just look at problems at the surface, you don't really understand what's going on. I do not hate those people that are trying to kill our democracy, our brothers and sisters or friends, etc. Don't hate them. They are ill. They are sick. They have, they, when we, uh, buying the Kool-Aid is how we say it, but what happens is they are wired in such a manner that they are scared and it was easy to hit that nerve that puts them in a panic. You see, 
you know, uh, you heard my, my previous guest, uh, Aquino, Neil Aquino, talk about bigoted people, etc. You can only be bigoted if the, if the thing you're bigoted about is real. And you guys know that I talk a whole lot about racism when the issue is prescient. And race is a stupid thing. really doesn't exist. But we have been taught to believe that it does. And then after we've taught to believe that it does, we create a narrative above it. So the Republican narrative, all those who believe in using tribal politics, they are built on sand. And you don't try to knock away the people on the top. When I say the top, I mean your friends at the, uh, that sitting on that false sand. False sand being the racism thing or the other isms. You go at the core. And the core of the lie is the top of the plutocracy creating the lie into otherwise good people. You have to believe that it's hard. When you have stupid... When you, I, I don't like to use the word stupid. When you have people... That you know, people that you love, saying stupid things based on what they've learned from those who promote that. You can't hate them. Because that is the intent. That is the intent. That is what they need. That is what they need. They need you to hate each other. Now, they're going to hate you. All these folks out there, I know, they're going to hate me. If I return the favor, I'm not talking about turning the other cheek. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody hit me, I'm going to slap them back. But I'm talking about our, our totality. If we return the favor... They win. I want you to remember that. They win because that's what they need you to do to continue this system that is oppressive. And by the way, the system is not just oppressive on people of color. People are also oppressive on those who think they are privileged. But their level of privilege gives them that false sense. Keep sharing folks keep sharing our stuff keep coming to our stuff keep supporting our stuff because the paradigm shift that we need is not that paradigm shift that you're going to see on mainstream media oh they hate you you hate them they hate you you hate them and you got a war between them i always talk about war but my war is a different kind of war i am not going to attack those people that the plutocracy is telling me to attack. I'm going against the plutocracy, though. I'm going for them. I am going for the oligarchy. I'm going for the big businesses that need you to hate me. That is what it's all about. And it doesn't happen overnight. One step at a time, brothers and sisters. One step at a time. One step at a time. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh!
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.